0: It's kind of like uh, following the sun, you know, chasing the sun west. For us, the whole concept was uh, one part film, one part album, chasing songs and waves around the planet. And it's kind of an uh, excuse for us to surf a lot of our favorite surf spots and, and call it work.
1: We wanted the, the movie and the record to kind of feel like brother and sister. So the, the movie kind of followed us as we were looking for inspiration for the songs. And the songs are used in the movie. Um, I definitely feel like they kind of possess the same journey. Welcome to Switchfoot Song Stories, a fan-run and operated podcast not affiliated with Switchfoot. Switchfoot fans are in for a treat for this week's episode because our guest is Matt Katsoulis, the director of the Fading West movie that came out in 2013. And instead of us just talking about one song today, we're going to chat about the entire experience, the making of Fading West. Matt, thank you for taking the time. Welcome to Switchfoot Song Stories.
0: Absolutely. Stoked to be here.
1: I understand you had a chance to uh, hang out with the guys recently in Florida. How was that? How are the guys doing?
0: Yeah, kind of perfect timing for this. Um... Guys came in town a full day early before their show. So they were coming down from, uh, they just played the Ryman Theater in Nashville, which is a legendary venue. And they uh, came down a full day early and um, we just had Monday. It's just a fun surf day and hang out day. They didn't have any um, tour obligations or anything. So that was really nice to just jump in the water. and, And of course, in typical Florida fashion, we get out there, get a fun little surfing. The wind turns on, big squall comes in, and we get rained on. And John's like, I love surfing in the rain. We don't get to do this back home. And then uh, we just see a lightning bolt just from heaven to the surface of the water. We're like, all right, that's our cue to go back. So we just came uh, back and all hung at my house for a bit. And then um, Dawn patrolled again on a on tuesday and they're they're they still rip they they're such good surfers like i cannot think of another band as like probably one of the unspoken things before we started the movies like well they're surfers and they want to go on all these surf trips but how good do they actually surf and they they rip like we we're like real fun hurricane surf over here hurricane earl was just moving up the coast, and. Um, Tim was out the back on Tuesday morning, this cleanup set comes in. We're like, what is Tim doing out there? <laughs> and just this set comes in, cleans up the lineup, and Tim just gets it. Wave of the day. Nice. Uh, John and Chad, myself and everybody, Sefton, uh, who's also on the film project, we're all just at the pier having the time of our lives. But, yeah, I mean, they have a change. They're just grown man, trying to sneak in every surf they can. <laughs> and uh, good times.
1: Any part where you're like, I wish I had the camera, Fading West, the sequel, right here. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: It was actually the only time I wish I had a camera was um, there's this kind of unique phenomenon that happens in Florida called the tarpon migration. So It's huge. like They're a game fish, um, and they migrate up the coast following all these baits. And uh, as we're out in the water, they've been slowly coming up. I grew up in Flagler, which is about an hour south of Jacksonville, and we were down there fishing like a week or so before. And we're out in the lineup, and Tim's out in the back. And all of a sudden, the water just looks like it's boiling. And you just see bait fish jumping around Tim, and this, you know, hundred pound fish just breaches the water. There's shark fins, so Tim's on his board doing the Mission Impossible, fingers out, toes up. So it was a, it was a good laugh. Better him than us, but he still got the wave of the day and and, uh, nice. <laughs> and one. But yeah, it was, that was pretty memorable. That's
1: cool. Well, as we talk about this movie and all that went into it, uh, I just wanted to say, well done, man. It is a masterpiece to me. I think, you know, even though I've seen Switchfoot. 25 or more times um, one of the memories that comes to the very top for me was the Fading West tour because the movie was the opening act and actually it was in Jacksonville when I lived there at the time and I went to see it and so it wasn't out in the public yet so this movie is just like of course you're getting the soundtrack of the new album but you're to see all this like the travel and the, the landscape the writing everything that was going into it um, I, I was really I was blown away by how it turned out so I feel like it really captured the essence of this band and served as a visual for that album. So I think I can speak on behalf of all Switchfoot fans. Uh, we greatly appreciate the efforts that you and so many others put into making this thing.
0: Oh man, so cool to say that. Yeah, it was definitely um, a lot of work went in that. I mean, I you know they they roughly you know when you do a film that you know just a small percent of what you actually shoot hits the cutting room floor. Kind of like writing an album, you have all these songs and there's just uh, you know kind of making a film is. Kind of like carving a statue you get this big block of stone and somewhere in that is something beautiful yeah so it's a lot of slowly chiseling away and these these pieces that you fall in love with that you you try and force in there like oh this is so beautiful or that one morning this happened and that one you know one thing that john said that was so beautiful or this moment that happened in africa and you're like it just doesn't fit there and, and so you know a lot of it is uh, mimics the songwriting process so mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a tough task because, you know, you're sitting there and their Switchfoot um, songs mean so much to so many people. And now we're kind of tasked with creating the visuals that accompany it with it and meeting their standard. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a quite the
1: commission. Hmm. There's so many questions that were running through my mind just kind of preparing for this. But uh, I kind of want to start at the beginning. Like how did, from based on your memory, I know it was a while back, but like when did you first – hear about it when you were approached about it and also was there a goal in mind or was it really more about like, Hey, let's just film this world tour and the making of this album and see what, see what happens, see what comes of it.
0: Yeah. So, um, actually really comes down to one, one of my best friends in the world. Um, incredible photographer, one of the best Brian Nevins. He is incredible photographer. Look up his work. Um, hangs, I got, his work hanging behind me now it's all over my house but um so brian um does a lot in the music industry and he was working with red light um which is their management company and he was out there and um they just mentioned uh yeah we're you know someone Switchfoot's looking to do a film but it's kind of uh, it's not the easiest like, job title, like, you have to be really good at, you know, storytelling, you have to be able to understand the art of music, and you also have to be able to, they surf, <laughs> so you have to be able to swim out and big surf, run water housings, um, and all this stuff, and he's like, oh, I got your guy, Matt Cat in Florida, so I totally owe it to Brian, hmm. he, was, he was kind enough to, to, to mention my name, and I got a call from Steve Bender, who's um, one of the main guys at Greenlight, and Steve's like, yeah, the band has this vision for Kind of uh, uh, the endless summer meets rattle and hum, so it's like this Bruce Brown tribute to the you know a band that embodies you know everything it means to be a surfer, but also this you know capturing the making of a new album and trying to capture you know magic on film in this journey. So that was kind of the the initial commission, and then as we kind of dove into what was going to be there, we started looking. We, we have a you know anytime in documentary filmmaking. Um, You have a script. So I wrote a script and presented it to them and like, hey, here's what, you know, here's what we need to happen when we go to Australia. And here's what themes it's going to elicit. And through that, we'll kind of ask these questions or cover scenarios that can, you know, bring these themes up to the forefront, which sets us up for this. It's, uh, you know, filmmaking is a house of cards effect. Um, So everything has to, you know, to set it up properly, it should be this big crescendo. Um, you know, full of highs and lows and all where you place those. So that was really the initial commission. And luckily, um, some of my best friends from growing up uh, surfing in the industry and other filmmakers have those, you know, unique skill sets. So we all can swim in the water and and do that, but also have a a really uh, good ear for, um, you know, understanding I was a music major in college when I went there before I switched to film. So a lot of us have musical backgrounds as well. So, yeah. Yeah. It was a kind of a kind of an
1: incredible matching. What were the all the locations? I know. Um, and, and did you have personal favorites like this this spot or this exact beach or this this country, whatever? And is there any any location that you kind of wish made the cut that maybe didn't make the final cut of the movie? Yeah, they um,
0: they had a really good vision for like places they wanted to go, places that they either had ties to in the past or places they'd never been before um so as we were kind of like tossing out you know of course it's got a beginning ending california you know that's 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 where they are you know the whole story of coming back home and you know what fading west means to them um but as we kind of went through it um Everyone on my film crew had been to Australia before. So, we, you know, it's one of the iconic, most iconic spots, you know, for surfing in the world. Hawaii, you know, Australia and also Australia was definitely up there. And it's one of their biggest uh, tour venues so it worked great just to start off the movie, you know, putting them in the crazy... Metal, metal fest, and uh-huh. <laughs> seeing them against the world, and and uh, what it's like that you know, what you know, kind of spent a day, day in their shoes, going up with you know, bad religion, Marilyn Manson, and all that stuff, and and which is cool because it you know, bookmarks later where you know, we have Greg Graffin come in the movie and he, he speaks into like what a fan he is of their music and John's songwriting abilities. It was really cool, you know, that was kind of the goal of what you know, because. Definitely give and take. Like they push, hey, we want to go here, and okay. So there's a lot of uh, just collaboration, mm-hmm. you know, with those spots. Mm-hmm. But Africa holds a, a really close spot to me, and um, we have good friends there. And you know, we're like, hey, we can save some money if you want to stay at my my friend uh, the Catrell's house. And they're like, yeah. So you have you know these rock stars, a full film crew pile into a <laughs> pile into a house over there and everyone's just in bunk beds in one big room and just, just so many funny memories of just like, yeah, of course we'll do that. We get to stay near the beach. And so yeah. just like, just speaking to their character, I'm like, yeah, we get to be right near the beach with your friends. That's awesome. <laughs> so lots of just like uh, hilarious memories like that. So.
1: One thing I'm really interested in is like the decision-making. So like how involved were the guys as far as like, even the, the voiceovers they did or, Eventually, in the editing process, like the placement of certain songs, um, I know it's kind of a broad question, but very interested to hear like how the decisions ultimately went into what we see as the final project. Mm.
0: Yeah, um, there there was something that uh, on the on the first part of the trip, obviously, you're unfortunately good documentary filmmaking is is quite invasive. Um, you know, if you just shut a door um, after a, a, a a tough moment on stage or something like that well you could only do so much of like then I went in the room and I thought about it. it's like you know so there there was this level of trust of like hey I, I promise everyone here I vouch for their characters and you know as time went on they got to know our director of photography Nick really well Russell one of the main cinematographers uh, Jesse our editor and a, and a shooter and, and Sefton who was kind of a catch-all on there and myself and once you know there was that kind of that brotherhood you know because they the band is such a tight band of brothers and they kind of realized that with us it's like i've traveled you know dozens of countries with my best friends which is the film crew that i brought on for the project and once they kind of saw that you know that we had these parallel (laughs) parallel lives what they're doing with music we're doing with film um the trust just clicked and they let us in those moments and i remember specifically being in australia at soundwave and um, john got the call about his daughter his newborn daughter <clears throat> and um, she was rushed to the emergency room and it was like water on the brain just just you come off the high of this big show and then he gets this call and out of just being respect of, you know i wasn't even a father at the time but just out of this respect you're like oh, i don't want to film this but i know it's so important mm-hmm. because this conflict of if he wasn't at home on tour he'd be with his wife and with his newborn daughter, but because he said yes to the band and his obligations that came with that, he had to say no, unfortunately to his wife and daughter. So we started, you know, we started really, these themes kind of came up and we started hashing them out there, you know, tough themes there's a cost to everything, you know, everything you say yes to, even if it's a good thing you say yes to, you have to say no to something else. So mm-hmm. um, just through those moments like that, then we're going back to the hotel room and, Tim and Chatter's like, hey, if you have to go, like, go. Like, don't stay here for us. Like, your your, your family is so much more important than the band. And um, hearing that in those moments, you're like, wow, these guys are so, so who they say they are. Yeah. And um, it's really heavy. you know, John, I, I remember we're just going down the hall and we're just trying to, trying to be tactful. And as his door is about to close, he puts his foot in there and he propped the door for us. And we kind of came in quietly and just sat in the corner. And he knew, you know, he, he could have shut the door and I wouldn't have ever blamed him. But um, what made the film was what happened when he let us in his hotel room. And we just sat there, as, you know, the agonizing updates, minute by minute, hour by hour. And he's like, yeah. I have to go. And then you're like, okay, you've done all this planning. And we're about to get on a plane to go to New Zealand without John Foreman. <laughs> and you're just like, guys, what do we do? And, you know, cameras come off and you're like, we go. It's what John would want us to do. And... You jump on a plane without john and tim and chad and drew and Romy are all there and you you know you go there and you make the most of it and you just realize like wow every day's a gift like you you know and, and i think the film was more special because of it because it's in a perfectly scripted world yeah everything goes good but in real yeah. life it doesn't so i think there was a truth in advertising that things don't always go the way we want and um you know things that we we never could have foresaw made the final cut and other things we thought were gonna be great like let yeah, sit in your hotel room and you know kind of kind of turn into like you know little cheesy stuff like hey cool lyric man whoa i'm gonna put that in this new song i'm working on you know it's like no so like some of the setup stuff like you know to your point tyler was just like ah, felt a little ham and cheese and, and we pulled that stuff and other stuff that we had no idea we were going to capture uh was what made it so that's kind of the um the uh i guess the allure of documentary film is you know truth is stranger than fiction
1: yeah yeah these are real people and, and real life events going on and and uh man i just feel, feel like everything that happened um again again it just really captured the essence of this band and, and their personal lives and and as you mentioned their brotherhood their family life all of that um, and the magic of of the song what it costs like i don't know if you were how involved or, or you saw uh, Tim kind of putting that song together. Um, like, did, do you know if he wrote that in New Zealand or was it just kind of around the time frame? It was around the time it was
0: happening in the, you know, which, which is, it, which is kind of interesting too, because, you know, some of the stuff, you're a part of the conversations of what's going on in their head. And you kind of see this little seed that's being planted and, you know, you're just at lunch or something and you're just talking about it and it turns into a conversation. The next thing you know, they've got half a song penned out about it and it makes the final cut. So I think, you know, that I think it was really cool um, from, from our perspective when it really started happening. And again, one of the songs where it's not this, you know, just perfectly happy song. It's it'll, you know, life is messy. And, and I think there's just, um, again, just, just like, like a good film has highs and lows. So should an album. It shouldn't just be, you know, turn it up to 10. You just rock, you know, the dynamics come from, you know, crescendos and, and uh the, the the highs and lows of all that stuff so i think um you know kind of reflected in the in this story as they as they kind of had these epiphanies and aha moments mm-hmm. um when mm-hmm. that all came together but you know i i think you know it just makes me think about um you know there were certain times where um you'd just be trying to capture something and you'd almost try be forcing it so to speak and then a moment just happens and just one person's there with the camera and they walk in and that's when the magic happens. So, so much of it's just being present and listening and uh, just kind of being aware of what's going on with them. And it just got better and better as it went on, you know, because they, we
1: kind of just developed into this band of brothers. Hmm. And you said too, that most of, or maybe even all of the, the footage that you're shooting is before you really hear any of the music, which is to me is, is crazy because I'm like, this was, just perfect like these shots with that particular song even like love alone like let's go headed down the open road there's a shot of going down the open road or like the the waves where the the beginning of uh say it like you mean it come out like just so many of those things were um were perfect but is that was that the case that you didn't really have any music maybe you had some lyrics in mind but you didn't really know any of that till the editing process made for long days
0: tell you what mm-hmm. we were we'd have we'd have daily production meetings and and for our you know with the band and then you know for us behind the scenes we were constantly you know you know if, if uh nick the dp was out you know with chad somewhere he's like oh man this happened in the market today chad saw this thing and bought this really cool you know like tea kettle that he's getting some cool sounds off we're like okay like okay let's be super aware to get footage of that because it may turn into something so I think one of the, I don't know, one of the biggest challenges in accepting a job that you don't know, it's capturing the invisible. (laughs) Cause you're like, this may or may not turn into something. If it doesn't, man, we just burned through a lot of man hours and sweat and blood to capture this. But when it did happen, you're like, my goodness, am I so glad. We woke up at four in the morning, drove two hours to this spot captured this incredible sunrise, the boys there, then this happens. Um, So I think that's a, a big part of it is like, you have to show up every day, just putting on, you know, like your best, like use your best discernment of going, okay, we can only be in so many places at once. There's five of them. There's five of us (laughs) and then, and then just, you know, just choose your battles, you know, and, and luckily we, um, we happened to be there for, for some really special stuff that, that made the uh, story, what it was.
1: How long was the total process? Do you remember? like how long uh, yeah it? i'd say from
0: the first phone call till it being released was almost two years from like the first phone call like hey do you want to do something submit a treatment um till it being released and i think you and i were probably at the same show i was at that jacksonville show at florida theater and uh that was the you know we'd obviously been seeing it on the small screen and you know all the way through through color grading finish but um yeah you know that, that was a big part too is because um they were super involved you know they, they produced it um so as we were going through cuts there was obviously stuff that you know we just like a band there's times where they would they would rub up against each other and not see eye to eye on stuff on like a song or or something like that there's times where i was like i felt really strong this needs to be in the movie they're like no that's not where we're going with the band. so you know it's just part of the process and part mm-hmm. of doing all that and working it out but um you know there was there was stuff that you know obviously you just run into documentaries need to be a certain time and there were scenes that um that had to get cut out that bring me to tears every time i think at them but they have a they have a bin of letters in their studio that fans have written people who weren't even fans that um that uh were affected by their music and there there are suicide like letters turned like my life changed around i was driving down the road i had a loaded gun uh dare to move dare you to move came on and i sat there and i listened to the whole song i unloaded the gun threw it out in the forest and on you know i was like oh my god i mean they couldn't read it without crying we're crying behind the cameras i mean just some the depth uh and dimensionality and i think that's where it comes in for a lot of you know other musicians we've worked with it, you know they're great musicians and the songs are good but there's um you know there isn't the depth that's there. So I think that's one of the things that really um, stood out to all of us was how many people um, are affected across the world by their music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That was going to be my next question, actually. I don't know if you can think of uh, specific examples. Maybe there's a bunch, Uh, maybe it's kind of a a blur at this point, but something that maybe happened that you wished we we couldn't quite get that on camera or, you know, this particular scene, I really wish it could have been like fans could have seen it, but it didn't really fit. Like, I think you mentioned a little bit of that, but, um, anything jumped to your mind of like, I really wish like this would have been awesome for fans to see, but it didn't really fit with the project.
0: Yeah. Um, I think one of the cool things, um, that really resounded with me was they, they would make time for their fans. So like after a show, I mean, we're beat, we just came in We're you know, different time zone, different country. And, the guys in the band would take the time to talk to the fans. And then John's like, I want to do an after show, (laughs) you know, his infamous after shows and stuff like, Oh, come on, man. We're so tired. We started rolling at six this morning. It's midnight. And we're like, you know, rock, paper, scissors. We got to go cover it. And something always came out. Something, uh, some fruit of it, of someone who traveled some immeasurable distance to tell them a story. And, and I wish I could boil it down to one, but there were so many people who had stories, um, you know, be getting on the tour bus and someone pulled Chad aside or pull Tim aside or or someone and they would just say what a song meant to them and how it got, got them through a tough time or inspired them to to live for something bigger than themselves. And, and I think that after a while, you have to be careful not to get used to it because we just got used to it. I mean, hundreds of shows, you know, from press appearances on, you know, they have to do the press circuit and show up on TV. Stuff So you're constantly just hearing like, here's an acoustic version. Here's this. Here's just John singing solo to a fan. Here's, um you know, here's the full band, like at a huge, you know, with a hundred thousand people at an arena show. So it was like from the smallest show in a nightclub in Bali, you know, where you can't even breathe. And the humidity is a thousand percent to an arena show. Um, they were always turning to a hundred percent. They never brought less than everything. And uh, I think that translated to why the fans, um, we're just like I gotta talk to him tonight. Can I please talk to him? Can I please share this story with him? So,
1: yeah, yeah, I love hearing those stories. I, I think a lot of switching fans are like, man, they got so many songs that are just you know stored away on hard drives. You know, one day later will they <laughs> will we get to see or hear any of those? And I think some fans probably mm-hmm. feel like, oh man, the the stuff that didn't make the Fading West movie or even some bloopers or stuff like that, like. They'd probably pay good money to see that. Well, <laughs> oh, there's so
0: much of it too, and uh, it was funny at lunch after uh, after our little hurricane surf on Tuesday. Guys were all surfed out, so we went to go grab some pokeballs. And I'm asking them, like, so here you guys are in 2022. Like, how the heck do you pick what to play to show with all your material and chat without missing the beats? Like, I think he said it was 171 songs they have dialed in to go at any time. 171 songs and I'm just like, my goodness. I mean, you're talking like, (laughs) you know, days of music they could play if, you know, and uh, but it was just, you know, to your point, it's like, what do you do when your catalog of music is so good? You know, even just like going through songs, um, of like songs that affected me and go back to, you know, hello hurricane. I mean, there's, there's three or four songs on there that I hear them and I cannot skip to the next song. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Messami, Me, Needle and a Haystack, um, you know, vice versa. So, you know, vice versa came out. They, that's kind of where we picked up in the chapter of, mm-hmm. you know, they went out to tour. But, you know, that's the you know the process for those don't, who don't know, know how it is. They write a, they're on tour, they're starting to write a new album as they're touring, maybe, maybe toy with a new song on stage during, you know, the latter half of tour. But, you know, that's really what it is. And then they write, record, and tour a new album. And so we were, Fading West began with the touring of Vice Versus as they started writing Fading West in all these places. So really, you know, Vice Versus is tied to, you know, really tied to our crew. Um, That was kind of our anthem and specifically, um, you know, Restless is Unbelievable, Souvenirs became um, also another really powerful song for, for our guys behind the scenes. But Where I Belong was our collective anthem. If it was like the band and us, had one song to play, it's like us on the edge of a cliff or us, you know, you know, you know, know, holding up the flag, you know, circling around John with a steady cam, you know, capturing all the the lights on stage with all the fans and flashing of, of, of flash bulbs and just the energy and what that song means and the lyrics is just like kind of a timeless song. Yeah. I think it'll just, be, it'll be, here we are 10 years after they wrote that. And I feel another 10 years from now it'll be just as relevant, if not more relevant, you know? Yeah.
1: I think if I remember right, isn't that the one song that was not that was included that was not uh fading west? Yeah, we included it,
0: but it wasn't on the album just because yeah. everyone just was in agreement. It's yeah, just you know, just the anthem of the uh of of uh, of that that time together, that time mm-hmm. period.
1: And they <clears> and <throat> they crush it when they played it Tuesday night. Same so yeah. Still going. <laughs> this is probably this is more of a preference thing, but I know uh fans like to talk about it. The Edge of the Earth EP. Were you glad that that kind of got its own focus, or were you a little, a little part of you like, man, I wish these songs would have made the uh, the Fading West album, or at least as glad that they saw the light of day after the fact. Yeah, they saw the
0: they saw the light of day, and I mean, there's still other stuff that we all thought was really, really good that never even saw. So I mean, there's still like you know somewhere buried in their vault in their studio is you know they'll they'll come out one day, but yeah. I mean, you to the earth, you have this stuff that's like really good. And, you know, there was, I don't know, four or five, I think, music videos that were just, it, you know, came out after the movie that were just like, hey, we got this song. We wrote it while we're here. You know, here are the kids of like Monday in South Africa. It's like, use the footage, you know? So it was all, you know, they were, they were really um, good with all that content that we created that like it didn't go to waste. It made its way, whether it was a came out on a, you know, um, they had a really cool traveling video wall at the time that had projected footage of them surfing. And so there were so many cool ways to see it get used on social media. Then it, you know, when it got picked up by Netflix and went everywhere. So it was good to um just see all that that hard work um just get out there because again when they're trying to write an album, we're trying to be as steadfast as we can to the vision of, you know, we want to show them in a meaningful way of how special it is. And it's you know, it's a, it's a hard task to do to not be in someone's eyeline but capture something and you know try and get the little lens flare from behind them and then pack a water housing run out in the surf and you know drawing straws in South Africa with great whites and not no one wanting to go in the water and you know like, come on, let's go surf. so uh, yeah a lot of lot of lot of memories and gosh, they could probably make a surf movie alone out of all their their footage too
1: yeah <laughs> a couple more questions for you for one, can you think of any other Um, funny moments, funny memories, or maybe just something that you feel like, you know, fans should, fans should know that maybe they didn't see on the screen, or even something that they did see on screen, but um, just some memories, more memories that you have about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, where to start? Like, everyone on our film crew is just such characters. So they had, you know, everyone's cracking jokes on each other, everyone's, You know, there was a point where it was like, you know, hey, we're you know, we're here to work for you. And then there was a point where like we're gonna be traveling for a year and a half together. So, you know, we're you know, you're on flights. Everyone's messy at the airport. Tons of pelican cases everywhere. And somehow there'd always just be someone like you know, Drew. Drew is a laugh. A minute, Drew Shirley is just one of the coolest guys ever. And he'd just be like, let's go ride scooters around together. So like driving through Bali, he's got like you know, you know, a tank top on. A water, you know, a mask. I'm holding up, you know, 16 millimeter camera filming him, and laughing, and then, you know, they're they're um, one of the guys that you don't see him in the movie, but he's one of the coolest guys ever, most talented guys is Ryan Nichols. He's their sound guy, brilliant man. I mean, the you know, I think we have it tough uh, sometimes. You know, oh, it's a really low light scenario, or oh man, we can't get a jib in here, or a dolly, or you know, we can't get the angles we want. You know, this guy has to deal with a crowd of 200 people in a bar or a hundred thousand people make it sound good. So everyone, like the lighting guys, uh, like everyone is this, you know, everyone's communicating and doing it. So when it was finally time to like have a big meal and relax, so many good dinner memories. Um, wow. There's just so many, I'd have to like really go down that, like the spot of, (laughs) Oh, actually here's a good one. Here's a great story. So Sefton who uh, lives in Florida here, he, uh, he would come and help help set up a lot of our gear and he got a um we we're leaving from jacksonville to fly to bali and he was like you know cleaning his yard the day before and took you know got a little speck in his eye or something he's like man my eyes bother me well by the time we get to amsterdam his eyes puffy by the time we land in bali his eye is like huge and so um legendary surfer uh, rob machado is on this trip you know one of the guys icons are very good friends with him and by the time he shows up, Sefton's eyes gotten so big and disgusting. He kind of looks like Frankenstein. His eyes sealed up, and he's like, "Hey, Rob, long time, Frank. Great to meet you." And Rob's like doing everything he can not to not to uh, jump out of his seat, <laughs> and he's like right in his face. And uh, my wife's a, a physician; she's an infectious disease doctor, so we're like FaceTiming her. And our DP, Nick McClain, he's kind of like, "Okay." you know we're out, like giving day-by-day updates and she's like okay i think you're at a point where if you get a nice warm spoon and you put this on there we can start to relieve some of the stuff out so we're like, it's, it's, uh, who knows what time it is over here in Florida, but we're calling over there. I think it's like midnight here. And my wife's like talking us through it. And all of a sudden we have this warm spoon pushing on there. Like the whole film crew's like holding them in place. And like pot starts coming out of his eye. We're going, ah! everyone's screaming. We're laughing. We go outside and his eye is just like, <laughs> it's just draping off. And he's like, he sees John and the whole band and Rob. He's like, I'm back. And like, there's just like, disgusting skin he looks like this science experiment and they're like screaming they're like oh my god get out of here it's just, just oh man just like you know if it can go wrong it will go wrong and that's just tons of stories like that of yeah. just like, oh gosh things breaking uh, metal concerts where people are like licking us who knows what drugs they're on we're like some crazy like rock fest with a hundred thousand people and like people are you know doing stuff we're like oh my god what do we sign up for but good stuff good memories good memories good yeah
1: memories. uh any of the fans that you interviewed i saw you know from the movie when when some are like i've never heard of them you know like were there any of them they're like yeah we know who they are there was least a couple
0: yeah you know it's, it's interesting too a lot of people who um either had like a pre- preconceived notion of like ah they're a surf band or something like that or mm-hmm. probably be like, you know, they're probably like you know probably like you know the beach boys they just talk about surfing and stuff it's like actually not you know true at all like full misnomer i'm sure you know but like you know the beach boys didn't surf um you know brian wilson the brilliant guy behind them, never surfed. his his little brother did but you know here's switchfoot who really doesn't talk about surfing in their songs it's about really heavy issues and mm-hmm. what are we doing here in purpose and meaning and, and all this stuff. So a lot of people I think uh, who had never listened to him just kind of had this, Oh, they're probably just some surf rock band and they listened to him. Oh my gosh. I uh, was not expecting that.
1: What about some of the people uh, I remember like John from Goo Goo Dolls, um, Bad Religion, some of those others that I guess those interviews, um, how was that like, like meeting them? And, and uh, I'm sure they had, course of the documentary you're able to show some clips of that but uh, i'm not sure how long you got to talk to those guys but it's it's pretty cool seeing other bands other artists with high praise for the guys
0: yeah you know and i think that was um the part of the you know part of the reason we kind of wanted to interject that that section in there like chris shiflett from the food fighters you're talking about like the world's best musicians mm-hmm. um and i think like to have you know chris shiflett greg Graffin from bad religion you know one of the punk rock bands i grew up listening to Goo dolls uh you know, Tom DeLonge from Angels and Airwaves. I mean, these are like the most iconic musicians of our times and they they really um, have an appreciation of not just the music, but the songwriting, um, you know, so much of it, you know, obviously music is, it's, it's a pairing of the two to make it work. Cause you can have the best lyrics with terrible music or incredible music, you know? And uh, so they have a unique pairing, but to hear them like those, it would be cool. Like if you hear them their in- entirety, to have those guys speak specifically even about songs they know that stand out to them was, was really cool.
1: Mm -hmm. So I guess probably my last question to you is maybe easier, maybe tough to answer, but ultimately, what are you most proud of from this project? From the first phone call,
0: the inception of like hearing about this inkling of an idea of like, Hey, we want to do this, you know, endless summer meets rattling hum. Kind of a never-before-done documentary of like, are going to try and capture what's not there, but interject surfing and you know have a lot of travel and all this stuff. Not that it's never been done, but it was it was just going to be a challenging task to try and do it, not knowing all the all the uh, the the turns it could take. Um, When you watch the final movie, um, I still go through the highs and lows with it. Um, You know, I still get choked up when I see. John talking to his wife about what's happening and hearing what's happening to his daughter, and ultimately the resolution. She's okay, and you know today's super healthy, super healthy little girl, incredible swimmer. And um, but like I think um, just to have it have worked out and to hear people like it went on to. <clears throat> I think that year it won the it was the forty fifth Dove Awards. It won you know movie of the year and stuff, and their album won album of the year too. So it was a big you know year for them. There was no expectations to do that it was just like hey here's the task and you know we're you know we're just hired guns we're just trying to do our best to you know i trying to try my best to direct and tell a story and um i think at the end of the day it's, i don't think i could have could have worked any harder or, or or picked a handpicked a better crew of people with character nick mcclain um russell Brownlee, who just recently passed away and <clears throat> jesse Slunts and <clears throat> jesse Slunts and, and trainer just incredible guys to travel the world with and you know went through the whole gamut you know they were there for the for the highs and lows and and um i think we all just appreciate the um what a magical time it was together
1: yeah well just an incredible ending project if you're listening to this podcast and you've only heard the album fading west you've never seen the movie stop what you're doing immediately and go watch it um as you know as as being fans of the band you know they're all about all these different things coming together, surfing, music, travel, uh, brotherhood, faith, family, live shows, deep thinking, uh, all of that. And this movie captures all of it, uh, brilliantly and beautifully. Um, Matt, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, what else are you working on these days and where can people find more of what you do?
0: Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, I had two kids since the movie, so I'm in, I'm in dad mode. So, uh, I'm doing more uh, commercial directing, so more one minute uh, commercials and stuff like that nature of documentary film is you're gone for so long, um, sometimes weeks or months at a time. So um, uh, going back to uh, bookmarking with our uh, conversation on the cost of things, it's just not worth the cost to be gone during these uh, early years that are so special. So I uh, kind of transitioned into commercial directing and stuff and um, yeah interpret studios is my company we, we uh, produced and uh, produced the film and you guys want to see more stuff of what we're doing now but still having a really good time working with the same people and um, yeah grateful for uh, grateful for
1: doing this for gosh over over coming up on two and a half decades well I know our fans are gonna appreciate uh, all this insight the deep dive into fading west uh, thank you for your time and I uh, really appreciate it
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me on Tyler. Appreciate it.